Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we are uh, on the second week of Jesus Through Old Testament Eyes, uh, working through this book. Uh, Butch found this book. Um, I know none of you have it. Does anybody remember what you all talked about last week? Or what we talked about last week? Jesus, Jesus the, the Bible, and the Old Testament, right? Very good, huh? <laughs> uh, so, um, you all looked at Matthew. Remember Matthew? And uh, Matthew was always very good about, he would, he would say what happened, and then he would say, well, this is why it happened, or this fulfilled what happened. And he, good, he drew kind of a direct line from the Old Testament to say, hey, God is keeping his promises Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, or the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. Look, this is what happened. That's uh, exactly what happened. Before we get into today's lesson, uh, I'm going to plug a couple things here. Um, I've read a couple books on the Old Testament and how it relates to, uh, <clears throat> how it points forward to Jesus. First one, Christ of the Covenants. I, I read that as a fairly early uh, Christian, probably about 20, something like that. Um, anybody else read this, heard of it, Tim, yep, yep, Don, so uh, very good about drawing that, um, that line through the Old Testament, the covenants, how God with each successive covenant just revealed more and more of his word, you know, the, the covenant with Adam, the covenant with Noah, and he was showing more and more uh, until finally the, the new covenant, so that's a good book. Uh, a House for My Name. Has anybody heard of this one? Peter Lightheart, House for My Name. Um, <clears throat> this really opened up my eyes to the Old Testament. And he looks at, uh, it's very accessible. Um, he looks at typology and some of the rhythms of the Old Testament. And you start, <clears throat> you start seeing rhythms, you know, things like... Uh, uh, Sin and then exile and redemption. Uh, you see things over and over again. You know, the, the New Testament, um, a couple times we'll draw parallels between Jesus and people. For example, Adam, right? Paul, a couple times will say, hey, Jesus is the new Adam. And it kind of invites you to compare and contrast the original Adam with what Jesus has done. Uh, Hebrews does the same thing with Moses and, uh, and the high priest and the whole sacrificial system. Uh, so this, this book kind of says, you know, invites you to look at it even more. Not only is Jesus like the new Moses who leads his people out of Egypt, you know, in Exodus, but he's also the new Joshua who leads his people into the promised land and conquers their enemies, you know, uh, Jesus is the new Samson who goes into the, the belly of, of his enemies and, and you know, emerges victorious. Uh, he's the new David who crushes the head of his enemy. Uh, there's just a lot of things about it. So anyway, I recommend those. Uh, in particular, probably the second one. Um, and I'm sure there's more out there. There's, there's more good books. So we're going to look at, a, actually, I'm not going to go there yet. I'm going to ask a question. <laughs> Do any of you have a famous 
relative. A famous relative. Either one, famous or infamous. And I was trying to think of it for myself, and I've got some, um, you know, relatives in my line. Um, but I was thinking, I would have to explain a lot for you all to know exactly who they are. And that doesn't really mean they're famous, right? <laughs> you might be like, oh, oh, okay, I see that. So does anybody here have a relative that, that we would know, or we would have heard of? Yes, Jack. Okay. <laughs> Same name? Wow. What did he do? I think he was a press secretary or something, something high up. All right. No religion. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Not what we're looking for, Jack. All right. <laughs> Nobody has any famous relatives? I got one. Yes? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> relative Samuel Gorton got kicked out of the Massachusetts Bay Colony and founded Rhode Island. What's his name? Samuel Gorton. Samuel Gorton, okay. Gorton, they couldn't get along. That's a good one. I heard about Roger Williams. Was he, was he yeah. associated with Roger Williams? Okay. During that time. Wow. But you see, that's famous relative. I mean, unless you've studied the history of Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Documented. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. I think we have a winner. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, Clarence, how has that changed your life? How has that affected your life? <laughs> have you ever met anybody who uh, has a famous relative and? Uh, they tell you that within 30 seconds of first meeting them? Clarence. No. no. <laughs> I have met multiple people in West, back in West Virginia that, that were related to Pocahontas. Um, I mean, several people to the point where I'm like, really? She had, she's got a lot of descendants, you know? Uh, I don't know. But does it affect your life? I mean, what your what your descendant, your if you have a famous descendant, uh, maybe a little bit of pride. Uh, one of my descendants uh, was a was in the Revolutionary War, and Frederick Hamright. I'm sure everybody's heard of him, but he helped. Uh, he actually helped win the Battle of Kings Mountain, which was one of the turning points of the war. You heard of that, Cookie? All right. Battle of Kings Mountain. So I don't really talk about it much because that bores people. But we're going to talk about a famous relative besides Jesus. All right. <laughs> so we're going to compare uh, two things here. Uh, we'll look at an Old Testament passage and then we'll see how it's fulfilled in the New Testament. Um, Genesis 12. So everybody's familiar with Genesis, you know, talks about Adam and the fall and then what is it, chapter 6 and 7, goes into Noah, and then a little later we get to this. 
what is, what is 11? The table of nations, I think, something like that. And then chapter 12, we get to Abraham. So let me read this. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What do we know about Abram before this? What do we know about him? Maybe where he's from? Everybody know where he's from? You remember that? Ur? Yeah, Ur of the Chaldees. I think that's somewhere in Iraq. Um, I mean, God just reaches down and says, you, Abram, I'm choosing you. Uh, And I love how, let's see, does it say there? Yes. So he says, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave where you're comfortable, uh, what you're used to. And where does he tell them to go? Where I'll show you. Where I'll show you. It's like, okay, Lord, you want me to leave, but you're not even telling me where yet. I know when, when I retired and we were up in Virginia, you know, a lot of you know the story, and coming down here, or not, I'm sorry, not coming down here, trying to figure out where we're going and feeling like the Lord's calling us here. This, this felt like home. And it was a, you know, it was definitely a leap of faith to a certain extent. But what did we have? We had Pinewoods. We had friends. We knew a little bit about Pensacola. You know, we lived here for five years. Um, so even though there was faith, it was, we, we knew what we were, we were getting into. Um, Abram here. None of that. It's just like, go. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going, but I'm going to lead you there. Uh, so the very next verse, uh, it says, Abraham went, which is, which is awesome, awesome. All right. From that passage, let me ask you, what are the promises that God gave to well, Abram at that time? What were the promises? Okay, great nation. What else? A blessing. Make your name great. I'll bless you. Bless those who bless him. Okay, I like it. Land, land, seed, and blessing. Those are the three that I see there. Okay. Yep. Boil it down. Land, seed, and blessing. I like it. Have those been fulfilled? Let's take, let's take the first one. His name will be great. How has that been fulfilled? Everybody knows Father Abraham, right? All right. So let me, let me see what I put down. God said, I'm going to make him a great nation. I'm going to bless him. His name will be great. He will be a blessing. God will bless those that bless Abram, curse those that dishonor him, and bless all the families of the earth through him. All right, did I miss anything there? Okay, leads us to some more questions then. 
When Jesus was born, what was the state of fulfillment of these promises? What do you all think? Sorry? Waiting. Waiting? Okay. All of them had been fulfilled in some way, but mm-hmm. not ultimately. Okay. All right. Can you give me an example of one of those? Well, the, all the families in the earth had been blessed through Abraham because of the people of Israel, mm-hmm. you know, and they were to be a light to the nation. So that part of it was already going, but it hadn't been completed until Christ. Right. Like, so when Christ was born, it was in process, and some parts of all, you know, mm-hmm. some parts of the blessing had been seen. There were a lot of Abraham's descendants. Right. Church, but, but then it just kind of yeah. accelerates. And we know where, where uh, Israel was at this time, right? I mean, not geographically speaking, but in, in terms of world politics, they were ruled, right, by, by Rome. And, uh, you know, you kind of look around and you say, uh, you know, are we really being blessed? Yeah, we're a great nation and that we are a nation, but, but we're, we're basically, we're not slaves, but we're, we're being ruled by somebody else. So, Lord, what do you mean? So here's another question. Why would being, being a child of Abraham have been so important to ancient Israel? Why do you think uh, they, they claim that title or they claim that, um, that moniker? <laughs> right. Yep, yep. No, nope, I and, think. And Abraham really was blessed by God. He was, uh, I mean, he had a great relationship with God. He had spiritual blessings. He had material blessings. He was a pretty wealthy guy. A lot mm-hmm. of, he talks about him essentially summoning armies of his servants and great flocks and everything. So. He seemed to be in good favor with people around him. Right, right. Yeah, if you follow through on the on the story of, of Abraham, and, you know, obviously Genesis 12 is the start of the story. Uh, he never really has a permanent home. I mean, he's he's moving place to place as, as God leaves, leads him within the promised land. Uh, there's times where everything is great, but then there's times where he's has to deal with... Uh, What's the word for it? Um, was it the Philistines? Well, I guess the Canaanites that are, that are in the land. He, you know, he's in danger. Remember, he, he kind of claims that Sarah is his sister and, and gets in trouble with them. So he's always moving. And what is, uh, you all remember what Hebrews says about Abraham, chapter 11, about his faith? Okay, yep. But what did it say about Abraham that he was doing? He was looking forward to the city whose foundation is God, is in God. I love that. Looking forward to the city whose foundation is, is. of God, right? Some, some paraphrase, obviously. Um, he was looking forward. Do you ever wish for home? You know, you, you want... Uh, I mean, again, coming down here, it's kind of one of our things in the back of our mind. We want a place where we belong. Uh, 
and yet you never quite actually feel like you are home. It's never, maybe it's perfect for a few minutes, but then things happen. So I love Abraham's faith. He's looking forward. He's saying, you know, God, you are building a city. And I'm looking forward to that city. All right, so back to the question. Why would being a child of Abraham have been so important to ancient Israel? Exactly right. Abraham got the promises. So, uh, yeah, I'm part of that. I am, I am a child of Abraham. So we're going to now look to the New Testament and look at Galatians. And uh, we're going to see, well, what is Paul's take on the children of Abraham? So kind of a long passage here. Uh, we're actually going through Galatians in our, in our uh, life group on Sunday nights. And uh, before I say what it's about, anybody, can anybody tell me what Galatians is about? Off the top of your head. I mean, I mean the whole chapter. Jesus, thank you, Clarence. Jesus. <laughs> anybody, I mean, you may not have looked at Galatians for a while. So, so Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and, you know, Philippians is a joyful letter, right? Even though he's in prison, he's, he's joyful, and he's thanking God for them, all that. Uh, Galatians is almost like the opposite. Galatians is, uh, it's a lecture, it's a scolding, it's you sit right there and I'm going to talk to you, you know, uh, don't say a word. So Paul had, had established the church in Galatia and then very quickly they started veering off from where, from the gospel that he presented them. And uh, one of the, the main issue uh, that he brought up was circumcision, where they were saying, hey, yeah, you believe in Jesus, but guess what? You still need to get circumcised. And he's saying to them, no, no. Justification is by faith and nothing. Nothing besides faith in Jesus can justify you. And that's what he's doing. And he spends, I think it's five chapters uh, explaining this over and over again. No. Like we said last uh, week, uh, Jesus plus something is nothing. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Right? Kind of an easy way to remember it. So we get to Galatians chapter 3, and he's still talking to them, and he says to them this, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So here he is. You all, you think, you know, you think you're descendants of Abraham. Physically speaking, you are. Okay, let's go back. What happened with Abraham? What, he, you're claiming he's your father. Well, what happened? What did he believe? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All right, let's see. We might get back to that. 
So let's, uh, let's start with the first question from that. How does someone become a child of Abraham? By faith in Christ. What else? All right. <laughs> Trick question. Good job, Clint. <laughs> by faith in Christ. So by faith, and that's something, you know, have y'all ever heard saying someone, yeah, I'm a person of, of faith? Ever hear someone say that and it's supposed to impress you? Okay. Kind of like I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. Faith in what? And I know you gave the answer, but we got to, you know, you, faith alone is not saving. Everybody has faith in, in something. If you, if you drill down to it, everybody has faith. It is only faith in Jesus uh, that, that is actually saving faith. Uh, oh, let me go to the next section here. So he goes on and says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So, touch your short-term memory here. What group of people are described as cursed? Who is cursed? Judaizers, people who try to live by the law. Okay. Those who rely on the law. I'm sorry? Those who rely on the law. Rely on the law, okay. Because we as Christians, we do try to live by the law. Mm -hmm. But the question is, are are we relying on it? Mm -hmm. Is that that the ground of our hope for salvation? Right. We keep the law. No, exactly right. Yeah, we, we we need to... is the law bad? Right? Yeah. But it is bad if you have it in the wrong order. Okay. You know, if, uh, if you put the law before God's grace mm-hmm. and say, well, if I do enough, then I will merit God's grace through my own obedience then, as Paul says, it's a curse. Mm. And, and that's essentially what the, I mean, the Pharisees were attempting to live very moral, lawful lives. Of, you know, we're going to order everything we do by according to God's word. We're going to tithe on everything, not just our money, on our spices and all these little things. They made all these rules and all these regulations are trying to keep the law. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they had, their guilt remained. They, they, they could never do enough to mm. earn uh, God's favor. Mm. We need his, his grace. Yeah. I, I, I thought about a uh, kind of a uh, comparison to relationships here on earth, and it might be, not be perfect, but, uh, you know, a, a father and a son. A good father loves his son, right? 
or, or daughter, however you want to look at it. Um, and the son loves his father. Now, the son, if he disobeys his father, is he still loved by his father? Does, does his behavior determine whether that father is going to love him or not? Or does the father say, you are my son. Now, you may not do what I want you to do, and I'm disappointed, um, but you are still my son. I love you. Um, whereas the wrong way of looking at it is saying, you know, I need to do something to gain my father's love, to procure my father's love. And if I don't keep doing that, I mean, can you imagine the burden of if I mess up, my dad's not going to love me anymore. My dad's going to disown me. So kind of a, kind of a small picture there of, of, I think, how you need to look at the law. Um, a good son is going to say, you know, I am my father's son. He loves me. I want to please him. Uh, so therefore, you know, I'm going to do things that please him, not to gain his favor, but because of the love he has for me and the love I have for him. So that's one way of, of looking at it, I, I think. Um, but yeah, we look at the law, and I, you know, growing up in, in more fundamentalist churches, uh, maybe some of you have felt the same or experienced the same thing. Uh, it was almost like the law became, we almost ignored it. It's like, it doesn't apply to us anymore. You know, the whole thing. And, and I mean, it was confusing for me as a, uh, as a young man. It's like, well, why is it in there? Uh, you know, I, and you put it well, Joel. It's like, well, it, it's not there to procure God's favor. Um, you know, it's there to show us our sin, show us our need uh, for a Savior. Um, Okay, so back to the questions. What did I say? What group of people described as cursed? Uh, <clears throat> second part of that question, would this have come as a surprise to some of Paul's readers? Why? That's the third part of the question. <clears throat> Why would this have come as a surprise? So who's he talking to? He's talking to Judaizers, right? He's talking to Jews. <clears throat> they really thought they had it right. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes back to our descendant is Abraham. Right? That's our, that's our, that's our father. Uh, how can you say me as a, as a descendant, as a child of Abraham, can be cursed? And I think we've covered that, the fact that you know, if you're trying to live by the law as a way of, of justif justifying yourself, then uh, you are cursed. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, you are going to be cursed. So under the next question, how are the Gentiles blessed and included in God's promises to Abraham? How are the Gentiles blessed and included in God's promises to Abraham? Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Okay. 
We'll graft it in, okay? No, no. <clears throat> and it goes back to the fact that faith preceded the law. You know, at first it was Abraham. Uh, many, many years later, I haven't looked at the timeline, but many years later comes Moses and then the giving of the law. Uh, so it's faith first uh, and then the law. Um, does anybody remember any instances in the Gospels where, where the Jews are boasting in the fact that they are children of Abraham? Maybe not chapter and verse, but do you, do you remember any, any uh, events in the New Testament where that happens? Mm-hmm. And another is John 8, where, where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees, and uh, they're claiming to be sons of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's saying, no, you're sons of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly right. So, uh, <clears throat> dude, I didn't write them down, but yes, the first one was with, with John and the Pharisees. Uh, came to be baptized as well, and, and John said to them, you know, what are you doing? Who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Uh, don't you know that God can raise sons of Abraham from these rocks? Uh, so yeah, that's one of them. And that, that, the second path you were talking about, Jesus is discussing, uh, having a discussion with the, uh, with the Jews, and multiple times they say, we're children of Abraham. We are children of Abraham, as if that trumps everything. <clears throat> and Jesus said to them, uh, you are children of your father, the devil. Uh, if, and he explained to them, if you were children of Abraham, then you would do what Abraham did, which is faith. Faith. It starts with faith. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, how does Abraham's descendant Jesus bring this blessing to all people? How does Abraham's descendant... Fulfill all of the law. Okay. Jesus fulfilled the law so we don't have to do it. <clears throat> like Galatians talks about, he, he took our place, you know. I was thinking about this and... <clears throat> You know, there, there, there's com, there, we all know about common grace. We've heard the term used, common grace, how even uh, <clears throat> unbelievers kind of get gain benefits, I guess, from, from Christians living, um, being salt and light in the world. And um, I heard in a podcast the other day, maybe you all heard it too, I think it was the briefing with Al Mohler, and there was a couple from India who was visiting the U.S., and they happened to be driving down the street, and an ambulance came, and, uh, you know, they, they saw everybody pulling over to let the ambulance by, so they pulled over as well, <clears throat> and I guess the man looked over his wife, and, and she started crying, and he looked at her, and he's like, what's wrong? And 
she goes, see how they love each other. That they actually get off the road to allow whoever is, has an emergency get the help they need as quickly as possible. And it's little things like that that we don't, um, <clears throat> we don't notice because we live in it, but the way that Christianity has permeated society and to a certain extent is still holding on uh, that there is, there is love, there is Christianity that has that is suffused society. So I think there's ways in which Christians, and I know what the question is getting at, we're talking about faith, but there's ways that even other people are blessed through Christianity. Think about hospitals. Who starts most of the hospitals? Yeah, what are the, what are the hospitals we have here? Sacred, Baptist, right? <laughs> uh, orphanages, adoption agencies, relief organizations. And yes, none of that saves you, uh, but that is saying, look, the gospel has changed my, my life, therefore I want to show my love to others by, by doing this as well. So I think there's ways in which um, Gentiles... Uh, have been blessed throughout the world, you know, just through Christianity. And no. we, have a, we have a promised land through Jesus. You know, an eternal, you know, the new Jerusalem is for all of those who believe in him and trust in him. Mm -hmm. He's going to fulfill that promise. Abraham looking for a better country, looking for a permanent home whose mm -hmm. builder and maker is God. We receive that. Uh, in the new heavens and the new earth mm -hmm. when Jesus comes again in the resurrection and so uh, that blessing is open to not just the ethnic descendants of Abraham mm -hmm. but to everyone who believes mm -hmm. all, all nations not mm -hmm. only ethnically Jewish people who believe but certainly ethnic Jewish people who believe will receive the blessing but so will we as non-ethnic Jewish people and mm -hmm. Africans and Asians and all the rest you know Christianity is is uh, very exclusive and inclusive at the same time, right? <laughs> there is one way to salvation, right? Through faith in Jesus. That's the exclusive part. But the inclusive part is anybody can do it. It doesn't matter who you were born to, you know, it doesn't matter what, how much wealth you have, how much wealth you don't have, all of that. Anybody can come. That's very good. All right. Anything to add to that? I think that might be it for me, y'all. When you were talking about uh, Christian values being a blessing, I mean, our Constitution and all our laws were basically, you know, Christian. Yes. Yeah. No, exactly right. Yeah. Yes, Kate. I think one thing that people don't think about really is just that everywhere the gospel went the role of women and children and their protection and their being esteemed was completely transformed mm. over how it was in the ancient world mm. you know and I think a lot of people see Christianity as very oppressive of women but it's not I mm. mean you know there, there have been cultural things that have you know changed or whatever time but but like esteeming women like Jesus loved women mm -hmm. in his life and he 
valued them, and Mary was the first one to see him after the resurrection, things like that, and that was not how it was. And I think you look at global history and the role of women in India or in mm. China or places that didn't have the gospel early on, it's very different than how it evolved in places that did. And mm. I think that's something, you know, that is a common grace thing that most people don't even Mm -hmm. consider and they in fact they think the opposite is true but it's not you know and caring for babies and caring for children and not just leaving them exposed at the side of the road mm -hmm. you know that kind right. of thing was transformed by the gospel in ancient culture yep yep and we even see it today with uh our our recent uh incident in afghanistan and again not that we are a christian country uh, but yet, when we were there, when the U.S. was there, uh, women were going to college and yeah. women were playing volleyball and all that stuff. Uh, and then uh, as soon as we left, uh, what happened? Then the Taliban took back over and, and women kind of went back into hiding. So uh, even though we don't claim to be a Christian country, it's those values still uh, are still there. All right. Anything else? Okay, well, that's, uh, we'll end up a little early today. Scott, can you close us in prayer? Father, once again, we come just honoring, praising you, and thanking you. We thank you for Jesus and for the way that you did offer salvation to all of us. We thank you that you've given us faith in him, and it is the faith in him that draws us Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for Matt's preparation. And now as we go into the after service, Father, just pray that you would bless there. Pray that you would give Joel the words that he needs to say to each one of us to minister to us. Just make it a good day in you as we worship you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. Nah, thanks, you all. Jack Valenti. I've heard I, that name. The reason I brought that up is in the 1980s, I was part of a company that was promoting call boxes.